This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. One thing that I have a question here that is kind of an interesting question, asking what is the difference between good debt and bad debt? Because for many nurses coming to the U.S., and for myself as well as an immigrant from South Africa, you come here with the kind of thinking that you shouldn't get takeout credit cards, that you shouldn't um, get into debt. But there's a difference. Can Leo or Rod, if you, you want to explain that? I guess uh, I can jump in. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, um, you know, I was thinking of uh, good debt are things that have a return on that investment or that you're using as a financial tool. So, you know, we often think of mortgages as good debt because uh, a house will gain value. But you can also use something like a credit card. And if you're using the credit card as a financial tool and you're paying the balance in full, you're not taking on debt, but you might get discounts on purchases. So it would save you money or you might get airline miles so you can reduce the cost of travel or, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So, you know, good debt is debt that there's a return on if you're using it well and creating a financial advantage for yourself. That's good debt. Um, bad debt is any debt that results in you having stuff, but you're not sure why uh, so, or what you bought. And that's what credit cards can do. So, you know, you, you've realized you suddenly have this huge credit card bill and you don't, you just have stuff. And, you know, so it's the stuff debt that's the, the problem. Um, and that's what gets you in trouble. And I think with credit cards, it's easy to make impulse buys. That's usually bad debt because you're not thinking about how you're going to repay it, why you need to make that purchase, why do you need to to have that debt. And, and so, you know, good debt is debt you've given some thought to, you know, how you're going to repay it. And you understand the, the incentive or the value for taking on that debt when, when you do. And so, you know, that's sort of the way I approach it. Yeah. And that's when you've got to say no, right, Rod? That's right, yeah. <laughs> that's right. My rule of thumb on this topic is always the purpose of the purchase. So right. your good debt has the potential to increase your net worth or enhance your life in an important way. So a mortgage, um, a vehicle, anything that can increase your net worth. Bad debt is when you, again, borrow money to purchase um, rapidly, like depreciating assets um, heavily or just for the purpose of pure consumption. Um, everything in moderation. But when you use your debt to purchase things, like he said, that can be considered bad debt if abused. Um, but if you're purchasing things for the betterment of your life to increase your, your net worth or your potential net worth, then that is considered um, good debt. So it's just the purpose of the purchase. Darius, can you maybe share with us of when you came to the US, maybe where you maybe had some bad debt, maybe something you regretted that you went ahead or and, and bought or or some good debt? Well, um, good debts. Um, because there's a lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think I think it's just in connection to what Blair said. Um, 
as long as you're being responsible. So I guess like, well, we we can't really help sometimes, you know, when you when you're here in the states and it's your first time to buy these things and and you know stuff. Um, um, sometimes there's that you know that itch that I want to buy this. And anyway, I have a credit card. I could pay this next time. And and you know, um, I think it's 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 about the the credit card company without really reading the terms uh, of their uh, of usage, and you know, you end up like having lots of interest. And um, and I, and I guess from that from that standpoint, um, I experienced like you know paying a bunch of interest. And if I'm not mistaken, I have a card. Like if I don't make a certain purchase or amount for a certain time, they will charge me with like an interest of like eighteen or twenty 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 dollars. So I had I actually had to cancel that card because of that because it's a necessary uh, payment. And um, and 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 in effect, it also affects my credit score. Um, but so far, um, so far, I, ha I have been responsible with my purchases. I I have purchased like thousands and thousands of, I mean, some some stuff for thousands of dollars. But um, I just I just have to make sure that I have that money available in my bank or in my savings, so that when when the right time that uh, when the time that I have to pay them, you know, it's it's readily available, and. Um, I think the key here is really um, control, like Blair said, and and also another key is to delay gratification. I know some of us, like Filipinos, especially you know when you go go here in the states, you would see a lot of things, great things, and you you just want to get everything. You know, I want this, I want that, I want that, I want three cars, <laughs> you know. But you have to be. Um, I think before going to the, here to the states, I was able to develop that attitude of you know being um, financially mature. Like, if there's something that you want, number one, you have to consider, like Blair said, do you need it? Number two, um, would you would you keep it like for long years or for long term? And number three, would you would you not end up selling it? Because a lot of people will buy stuff and then after a couple of months or years, they will end up selling it. So for me, it's just a waste of time and money. And um, and and I and I, as I said, that's also part of uh, financial maturity. And you know, um, delayed gratification save because you know, even though nurses are being paid good right now, not because of the pandemic, but you know, nurses are really being paid good to begin with. But um, you have to save, you have to delay whatever you want. So you have to plan ahead of time whatever you want to purchase. Like if you want to buy a house, a car, or whatever, I think it's it's it should be planned well. It should be thought about not twice or thrice, but many times in your head. And, you know, trying to picture out if, do you really need it, as, as what Blair said. Because a lot of people just really want to buy things because they want it, but not because they need it. That's all. Yeah, that's, that really is the key, Darius, is do you want it or do you need it? Right. And my, when my daughter was little, she used to say, but I need it. And I was like, no, you just want it. And that's often what happens to us when we come into America as immigrants and we see all these wonderful things or things that you've seen in the movies and you just want it. Um, so I think that's really good advice is uh, to to plan and to be financially mature. And just uh, add, you know, Tanya, if I really want something, you know, this is just an advice for nurses. If I really want something, like, for example, I see this and I really want it or I really, I think I need it. I would 
I would not buy it the first time I saw it. I would, you know, like go home, think about it. Maybe I'm just hungry or sleepy, you know, I'm just stressed because I, I have that tendency when I'm so stressed, I buy things as, as my form of relaxation. When I was in the Philippines. That's all of us, Darius. Right. When I was in the Philippines, I just go to the mall, you know, because the mall relaxes me. And sometimes you end up like buying things that you don't really need. So I go there, you know, look at it five times, six times, then go home, then go back and really like make a decision and then check on my apartment. You know, I have this actually at home, so I don't need this. So I'm on that point. Like We call that retail therapy. (laughs) And it can be very, very gratifying, but it can also be very detrimental. But you are absolutely correct. Uh, The U.S. is a very consumer-driven country. Um, no matter if you're on social media, if you're watching TV, if you're driving down the street, you're going to see advertisements, advertisements and billboards. And then it's the keeping up with the Joneses, wanting to buy this and that. And it's all about, like I said, the purpose of the purchase. Are you buying it to better your financial health? Or are you buying it to satisfy a temporary need? Is it a permanent solution to a very temporary um, desire? Yeah. Uh, Rod, do you want to maybe just take us through this one more time and just talk about the difference and um, with the different scores? Sure. And this is from a, a FICO, what we call a FICO score, FICO 8 in this case. Uh, so there are different scores, but very similar. Uh, you know, if, if you, we rarely see people, you know, with scores, you know, in the five, below 500. Um you know, but if you're new to the country and you don't have a credit history, you don't really start at zero. So, you know, if you have low scores, it's going to be harder to get credit. The, you know, so if you're in the fair range, you may qualify uh, for applications for for credit cards or loans, but you're not going to get the best terms or rates. Uh, Once you get into the good range, you'll get better rates or you may, if there are higher risk uh, tolerances for, for a lender, you might qualify, but again, not at the best terms. When you get into the 740, 799 range, that's what we think of as prime. You're probably going to get qualified every time you apply, uh, and you're probably going to get the best terms or rates, or very nearly so. And if you're above 750, generally you're you're going to qualify for the best terms and rates in most cases. Uh, if you're in the 800 range, it means you're managing your credit well. You're doing all the right things. And you're keeping your balances low on your credit cards. You're making your payments on time every time, and you're building that credit history over time. Uh, and it takes time. Time is one of those things that people don't think about when it comes to credit and credit scores. That's probably the most important factor: is you know being consistent and being responsible and making sure that you're managing your credit well over time, because that's what scores are looking at: is are you paying your bills on time, taking care of your credit over time, and not just what did you do yesterday? Yeah. So I think this this diagram is maybe a good one for us all to print out. I'm just looking at the chat and Jennifer saying, I need all things. So Jennifer, like all of us, maybe that diagram is a good one to kind of put on your fridge and, <laughs> and remind yourself about what your goal is and how you want to create your net wealth, not just see every nice shiny thing and buy that because it really is going to make a very big difference to your financial future. So we have a question from Beth who's asked, I've heard that it's a good idea when I arrive in the US to ask a friend or relative 
who is established here to co-sign a loan for me on my first credit card. Is this true? Yes. I mean, so from a credit reporting standpoint and establishing credit, if it's a credit card, you might ask them to add you as an authorized user instead of a joint account holder. As an authorized user, you benefit from the, the account if it's being paid on time, but you're not responsible for the debt. So it would establish a credit report for you and show the positive payments. But if the account becomes negative, Experian will actually remove it from the authorized user's account. So it's a good way to kind of safely start a credit history. If you're a joint account holder, you're responsible equally for that debt. So if they don't pay the bill, you have to. So it's important to understand what your responsibilities are. But either way, you know, having being added as an authorized user or becoming a joint account holder or having someone co-sign for a small loan, maybe you know, a piece of furniture or something like that, might be a good way to, to start a history uh, as well. Okay, so thank you for that. If you have a relative or friend who's prepared to do that for you, that, that is a, a good option. Um, but again, as I think it was Blair who said, you no, I think it was Darius who said, you've got to be financially mature because you've got to remember that if for some reason you're going to pay late or you default on that loan, that is going to affect your relationship. So people first, as um, the, the guru Susie Orman always says, um, and money second, and you need to protect your relationships as well. I think that's important. And getting a secured credit card. Blair, do you want to speak a little bit about that? So a secured credit card is different from your just regular credit card, but it's um, it's a type of card that has the security, obviously, um, and it's backed by a cash deposit from the cardholder. These limits are often a lot smaller. Some of them are $250, $500, but um, I'm trying to think of a term. The, the cash that backs the card serves as uh, like collateral on the account. So it gives you that security in case you can't make those payments. So say you charge a purchase of $500 on a secured credit card that has $500 um, and you can't make those payments. You have the collateral from the account to back up those payments. That way it doesn't negatively affect you. Um, it's a great option. Um, it most often, like I said, comes with lower limits, but it's, it's a good option if you don't have a very good credit score that you're able to still try to work to build your credit and obtain credit. Um, but it's kind of like he said um, in the beginning, you make need to make sure you have the cash to back that up. So that's just that security blanket that you're, you are able to pay for the things that you are charging um, in addition to uh, the card. It's not like your normal credit card where you pay minimum balances monthly. Um, so it just gives you a little bit of a security blanket and gives the financial institution a security blanket um, that you can actually pay that back. Okay, so a good way to, to start. And yeah. um, Rod, one of the other questions that came up as well is how should somebody be monitoring their credit? Because this is something, you know, it, it's not something, it's not like an event. It's, it's something that you're going to have to do for the rest of your, your your life of living in America. So what is what would you suggest is the best way to do that? Mm -hmm. So several things I suggest, or at least a couple. 
One, you can get your credit report from each of the national credit reporting companies. So there are three, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. You can get a free copy by federal law once every 12 months through a website called annualcreditreport.com. So all one string. We actually are providing reports free once a week. So if you want to check your report through that site, you can get a free report once a week through next April because of COVID and, and the need to really stay on top of those th kinds of things. You can also enroll in free services. Experian has a free monitoring service that will give you a free report once a month and a free FICO score once a month along with the factors. So great way to, to monitor now with, with a free service and, and be able to take advantage of other tools that you might need like loan, pro, loan calculators and payoff calculators and things like that. So I always encourage people look at those kinds of services uh, and you can find ours at experian.com, really easy to do. Uh, and you may also, if there's a data breach, which there was another major breach from what I understand yesterday with a yeah. cell phone service provider, uh, you may find that you get a free offer if you're a customer for a monitoring service. I always recommend taking advantage of those. They're free. Uh, and that way you can see that credit history, make sure everything is okay and, and that you know, they're not using your identity if it's been stolen. So several ways to get, to get free reports and free scores. Okay. Thank you, Rod. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Darius, do you check your credit score monthly? And if so, how do you do it? Um, so one of my credit card companies, I think it's Discover, they have that, what Rod said, like a FICO scorecard that they issue like every month. So um, you could access it. Sometimes, you know, accessing your scorecard could also like um, have a, a negative hit in your in your score sometimes. But with with this bank, um, they will just allow you to access your FICO, uh, your scorecard through FICO. And it's every month, and you can access anytime, any uh, anytime you want, or anywhere you want. Um, so I just like actually base that uh, there because like Discover is my first card, and it monitors all of my transactions, basically. So, and then sometimes like um, I, I guess last year I was able to receive like an from FICO like an annual statement of my credit standing. Yeah, yeah so I don't really have to like worry about it. Okay, good. So you financially mature. You learn to say no. <laughs> um, I would like to add, just on a personal level, I do use um, Experian to pull my my um, information. I also, every year on my birthday, I go to annualcreditreport.com and I pull my credit reports. It, it just reminds me to do it. So I go to the dentist on my birthday and I pull my credit score on my birthday. And um, that really helps. I know it's annual. I look at it. I make sure that there's, you know, no fraudulent charges or any theft issues on there. I make sure my limits are correct with my financial institution and my bank. Um, one thing that a lot of people come to us, and this is a huge misconception, they'll come and they'll say, hey, I, you know, I want to buy a vehicle. I want to do this. And we'll pull their credit and look at it and look and they'll say, well, no, Credit Karma said I had a 780. Or Credit Sesame told me that I had a perfect score. Those are 
estimates. Those do not factor in every account. Those do not factor in every bureau. Different financial institutions use different bureaus. Some use TransUnion, some Experian. It just, it depends. So those are good monitoring services just to get an estimate to make sure you're in the right area, but you can't concrete go by those. Those are not official credit report and credit scores. Um, so it's very important to you know monitor all three, but also go directly to a, a source um, or one of the bureaus themselves, as opposed to using that third party service. Okay, so some really good tips there, um, Blair. And I love the, the fact that you check your credit history in full on your birthday. That's your birthday gift to yourself when you see that great score. It's, it's been a gift really for a while, so let's hope it stays a gift. <laughs> So I think that's really important. But I think for anybody who's not familiar with credit scores, I think, you know, the, the basic concepts of um, checking your scores regularly, whatever means you use to do that is very, very important because you also will be able to pick up if there are any issues. And this comes up. People don't always realize that. And um, Darius, have you ever had any issues on your credits, on your credit history? Um. Any like mistakes or errors that you picked up? You know, minor errors. Like, um, I didn't know before, like for some inquiries that you make, I mean, this is common, especially to um, uh, probably to, to Filipino nurses, you know, once they get here to the States, of course they would like to inquire how much this house is, how much this property is. And and uh, whoever is the company will just you know ask you like oh can I have your social security so I could check your credit score but they will not tell you that you know it would negatively impact it's a hard check so it would negatively impact your score and I had that one incident that I didn't realize that you know it happened until I saw my 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 credit my credit my credit score balance so I just. So um, the lesson there is like next time when I had to inquire for something, then I would ask like straight if do you check my credit scores? Like, um, are you gonna check my credit scores about this for this inquiry? Because if I'm not really sure I'm buying this one, then I will not go with it. You know. Um, so it just happened one time, but after that it was good. But good that you picked that up. Yeah, I mean, um, some some people are very nice enough to say like, hey, when if if you if you really want to ask about this property, um, we we we're just trying to warn you that you know we will check your your credit scores and it 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 might affect your credit scores, uh, negatively after we do the hard checking, and some people would not say it, so it's it's just like a matter of you know who the who the person you're talking to, mm -hmm. and anytime it's like a retail, um. A retail store like a TJ Maxx or an Old Navy or buying a vehicle or a house, make sure you ask them, um, is this a hard hit or a soft hit? Right, um, right. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way to distinguish the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would add to anytime you're applying, it will be a hard hit in almost every instance, what we call a hard inquiry. But again, you know, if an inquiry by itself, I always tell people is the inquiry alone will never be a reason you'll be declined. They typically have a very minimal effect on scores. Mm -hmm. So if your scores are good, you know, it might be a five point or 10 point difference that probably won't cause you to pay higher rates or get declined. But if you have late payments or other issues, 
that's going to be the real thing to address. Right. Um, the other thing to know just quickly, it's really important is if you're shopping for a house or you're shopping for a car, especially you let them shop those rates because they're the scoring systems recognize you're buying one house or one car and they'll only count them as one inquiry or they will completely exclude them. So you don't have to worry about those inquiries for those purposes because they know you're probably not buying 10 houses or 10 cars. They're trying to find the best rates. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, um, you know, it's a complicated topic and there are just so many factors and so much to learn. One question that we've got here, and this is kind of the last question that we're going to go to. And um, can you talk a little bit more about the credit limits and how this is important when building my credit? And can I apply to increase my credit limit? Yeah. So I think that's kind of an interesting question. I guess I'll jump in. So that goes to what we call the utilization rate, uh, that balance to limit ratio on credit scores. And that's the, the second most important factor we talked about earlier. So if you have high balances as compared to your credit limits on your revolving accounts, your credit cards, it's going to hurt your credit scores. So keeping them low is important. Ideally, if you could pay your balance in full each month, that's going to be the best for your credit scores. You don't have to carry a balance. That's sort of a common myth. Um, but what I find is if you're, when people ask that question, they have high balances or they're maxing out their credit cards. And so they think if I open a new account, I'll have that empty balance on that account. And so that will lower my utilization rate and help my scores. The problem with that is you've opened a new account. So now you have that hard inquiry because you've applied, you have a new account with no history. You have, um, so it's unknown. So that poses some risk. And if you're tempted to use it, you're, you're liable to max that one out too. And I talk to people who do that and they get themselves deeper into problems instead of improving. So the best course when I talk to people usually is pay down the card you have because trying to open a new account to offset a high balance usually backfires because it's not just one thing that's changing. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Rod. So to finish off, I'm going to ask every each person on the panel, obviously credit history is a complicated topic, as we said, and there's a lot to learn. But if you were to give your one most important takeaway to everybody watching about credit or credit history or credit scores, what would that be? Let's start with ladies first. Blair. <laughs> um. Specifically, it would be to be very strategic with your purchases and start as soon as you can, specifically for people in your situation. Um, find a bank or financial institution, credit union that has a program specifically designed for people in your situation. So there are programs where you can obtain credit cards and auto loans and mortgages with no credit. Um and they will not only help you build your credit, but those types of programs will offer you higher limits as opposed to if you go directly to um, a, you know, brand name credit card or something like that, or go with the offers that are being sent to you. So, you know, we have uh, different programs. You know, he said that he had a different program. Find a financial institution or bank that has a program specifically designed for someone in your situation. Also, be very, very careful whenever you're purchasing things to not fall into the trap of 
no credit needed, um, no credit, no problem, things like that. No credit, yes, we're going to have a problem because those are the situations that are going to get you in a very sticky situation that is going to take a lot of time and probably more money in the end to get you out of. So don't fall into the trap um, that consumers do for the low credit, no credit, no problem. Um, find a program specifically tailored to people in your situation. Ask fellow nurses, talk to friends, do things like this and find out what they've done that works best for them and learn from their mistakes. Okay, that I'm pleased that you raised that, Blair, because that can be something that a lot of people see in the media and social mm -hmm. media, and it, it it's really false advertising because you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Thank you, Blair. And um, Darius, what would you say is your biggest takeaway, the, the the most important piece of advice you'd like to share with your fellow nurses coming to the U.S. or in the U.S. already? Um, I think three things. Uh, number one. Um, I mean, some of it has been mentioned by Blair. Number one, you need to plan ahead of your purchases. Um, think about it, uh, plan for it. Um, think if you if you really need it or if you just want it and think of long-term. Um, um, number two, as much as possible, I know like, you know, like as what everybody said, like here in America, you could just like everything you see, it's like, you know, it's it's very, very tempting to buy especially shiny things that you've always wanted, like when you were from your country or where have you been, you know? Um, but um, try to save and live within or below your means. Um, remember you're here to earn, um, to save, because you're not just here for yourself. I'm not here for myself. I'm here because um, I, there are people who depend on me. So I would have to think about, you know, like having money or save money in cases of emergency. Um, so make sure that you have that. And um, and number three, in connection to what I said in number two, you know, live within your means. Um, I know like you would see like a lot of nurses, oh, they've been traveling abroad, et cetera. They have this bag, this new, et cetera, like this, this car. So, you know, um, don't compare yourself to others. Your struggles are different than theirs. Their situations are different than yours. And, and, you know, your financial struggles, your financial maturity is also different from them. So um, be, um, be that person, you know, remember, be a, find that reason why you're here. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, don't forget to, to enjoy, you know, like, you know, some people would just like work and work and work and save and save without enjoying. You know, you have to live your life as well, but you have to live your life right and maturity. That's all. I love that. Financial maturity. And as Rod said, learn to say no. Yes. <laughs> Rod, final words, your best piece of advice for anybody looking to start and or build their credit histories. Yeah. So it's hard to top those, <laughs> so, but I'll try. I'll be more specific for, for my, my industry. Be engaged, I think, that it, with credit reporting. Get your credit report. It's free. Getting your own report doesn't affect your credit score. So get your credit report, whether it's annualcreditreport.com or you enroll in a monitoring service, because knowing what's there is empowering and that's you can then act on it. And then use the new kinds of resources that are available, like Experian Boost. You couldn't before have your cell phone help your credit history. Now it can. Take advantage of those new resources, the new tools, and know what's in that report and own it because that's it should be a financial tool that credit report should let you walk into a lender 
you're going to know exactly what they see and you can tell them I qualify because I know I do and I know exactly what's in my report. So let's let's talk because then you have negotiating power. So it's empowering to know what's in that report. So get it, know what's in it, uh, own it and use it to your advantage. Thank you, Rod. And I think the key there is empowering. So I'd like to thank the panel very much for their time. I know that I've learned a lot of new things. And just a quick shout out, please, if you have not yet passed your NCLEX exam, please do so. You heard it from Ms. Jean last night in the pre-show. Please do so. There are There is massive demand for nurses in the U.S. right now. There is a lot of opportunity for you to come here to grow and prosper. And now that you've learned about credit history, so get your NCLEX done so that you can then also live your American dream. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.